Hello and welcome to the Venus Factor Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of having Venus veteran and personal friend of mine, Naomi. Hi, Naomi. Hey, Liz. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. You are uh, one of the very first Venuses ever. And uh, I wanted to get you on to talk about maintenance. Uh, It's been, what, five or six years you've been at it? I think it's been five since the launch. Yeah, I, I think you're about right. So, I guess, um, you know, until recently we haven't had the privilege of having very many conversations about it. And um, I've just been delving into it. And I love talking um, to veterans like you who have done it successfully so that we can all learn from you. So, um so you've done Venus since it launched. That was 2011 or 10. You're going to ask me hard question. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in there, I think. Okay. Um, so Google. <laughs> when you initially um, did the contest and stuff, do you remember about how much you lost? Um, I took a couple of runs at it. So I had already done a bigger transformation over a period of struggling and then a contest with a different program. With Venus, I I, I just looked this up, but I forgot. Um, going to say not a lot, less than 10, possibly six for the first contest. Okay. And did you continue? That was from a larger loss from before, and then you may maintain that, or...? How did that go after that? Um, my walking around every day weight was about three pounds more. Yeah. And uh, for the second contest, I went really lean, which was fun. That was your your uh, cover with the the six pack, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had that for 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 a minute. Yeah. So okay, let's talk about that because I've had similar experiences, and I'm. I think this is something to delve into. So do you feel that walking around that lean was livable for you? You know, I didn't fully understand because Venus was so new. I didn't really get it or hear it. They were probably saying it, but I wasn't going to hear that. So, no, it was never livable, but for a long time I had the idea in my head that it was. Yeah. It is not. Right. For for you personally, and all, I mean, I've never been ripped six-pack lean as you were, but even like at, um, when I would cut down for a shoot, I've never been able to live there. No, I don't think, I, yeah. Yeah, I personally live about five pounds above that weight, and that's easy, livable, maintainable for me, and then I just kind of cut a little bit, or if I'm going on a vacation to the beach or whatever, so that's interesting. Um, do you feel like you could ever, is it something you would even ever want to be, or are you happy with your it's, up from that? I've made some adjustments. So it is something that I wanted. And so I kept doing this kind of hit it and bounce up a little bit, hit it and bounce up a little bit, and always sort of questioning why I couldn't live there. But um, I've had some health issues, and I've I've come to realize that I have to adjust my priorities. It's just 
you know, when, when you can't even stand up, having a six-pack is really not up there in the priority list. Absolutely. So, so I guess what I, what I want to say is I have – I would look at those pictures. Whenever I took progress pictures over the last five years, I would look at them and, and – okay, so I, I, I know there would be this little expression on my face, and I can see it when I look at any of my progress pictures. It's, it's like I, I get back in that mindset of I was almost there. I was almost there. That's how I always felt every time I've had a picture, not quite good enough, not quite good enough. And then I would have a setback, and I would look at the picture later, and I'd think – it was amazing. Why didn't I appreciate it? What the right. heck? And so I think I finally like caught up, and now I'm okay with the mirror. I don't even take pictures anymore. I, I, I've seen you live and in 3D, and I know you look great in person, and you're certainly lean. So that's funny that you have such you had that struggle even, you know? Yeah, and I was bulked then, by the way. Me and Naomi met in um, Miami last year. So um, during my bulk. okay, let's talk about bulking because <laughs> you've you've had several goes at that too. I would say that we're similarly built. We are long and lanky. <laughs> we're, like, we're like the same weight and everything. I think. Yeah, you're a little taller than me. So um, muscle mass is not really something that comes easy, probably. It's certainly not to me, I would say, for you as well. Yeah, I've had the DEXAs to prove it. My lean body mass is a whole standard deviation or more lower than predicted. And that's I'm the same exact way. Um, yeah. So I've been interested in trying to increase, especially my shoulders and muscle mass, and so you've had several goals at bulking, so let's talk how you've done it and how it panned out for you. I have tried every single thing you could possibly... Nah, you could never try everything. That's a load of crap. But um, <laughs> seriously, I tried everything. No, you haven't. <laughs> I tried everything that sounded scientific and evidence-based. Right. Well, I still haven't tried everything. I'm still hoping to do one last one. I haven't quite let it go, but, you know, the clock runs out on me pretty soon, so we'll see. Um, but what I was doing was pretty much sticking to how John said to do it. It was a very small caloric increase, and I kept my protein very high, and um, I didn't gain a lot of weight. It was under 10 pounds, and I had a DEXA before and after, and it's hard to see say none of it was lean body mass because my lean body mass varied by compartment. Um, right. So it had actually gone down in glutes during that time, and glutes are a significant chunk of your lean body mass. Right. And it went up in arms. So I can't say the possibility isn't there, but it's so significant. We're talking grams, and, you know, oh. I, I don't speak metrics, so I don't even know what a gram is, but it doesn't sound like much, you it's know. Not. <laughs> yeah, it was so negligible, but it it did actually go up in in my arms. So you know, I I cling to some hope that it's possible. But I'm 51, and I'm in perimenopause, so the time is ticking anyway on how long I have to put on lean body mass, I guess. Yeah. But um, the only other thing that I have left to try is to affect my testosterone, and I'm working with a doctor on that with natural methods right now um uh -huh. i don't know if she would never give me cream but 
I still have a suspicion that I've always had long t low testosterone and that if it was increased, that, you know, maybe I could have yeah. more in body mass. Right. That is interesting. Um, I know, like, in my own research and talking with friends, like, there is, like, no good data on acceptable testosterone ranges for women, and it seems like, you can only compare you with you, and there's not much data out there. So that's an interesting to me that uh, you're going down that route. You'll have to keep us posted. Yeah, it, it's it's emerging science. It's so funny how you yeah. have anything, and it always says everybody, everybody, and it's all men. Like, uh, that's half of everybody about. Right. <laughs> um, um, the rest of us would like to know how to affect our test. I just read through this, you know, 20-minute article, and it's not for women, you know? Yeah. Right. No, and, like, it seems like such voodoo to even talk about it. Like, when I talked to my uh, OBGYN about mine, she was just, like, floored that it would even cross my mind or that yeah. I would be concerned. And as an athlete, I think some of the issues that – that we hit are because it's a special population. Like, I think a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about isn't on my doctor's radar, and she's very good, very, very good with the hormones and the nutrition. And uh -huh. I'm still realizing, like, oh, she wouldn't really have thought to, to warn me that my carb needs are higher on this diet. I should watch out for that. Like, I had to figure that out by crashing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not in any way blaming her for that, but... I, I had to go and listen to athlete podcasts and, oh, carbs are not the devil. Right. They need to, oh, I see now, you know. And right. She, she's concerned about my, my love of protein, but she's not an athlete, so why would she know that? Right. Absolutely. You're, I mean, I think you're totally right. Uh, not only are we uh, going to be the minority of what is in a study, but then we're also just such a small population of even women that care that, I mean, it's, we're statistically negligible. So there's wow. not much out there except for what we talk about to each other. Let's change that. I, that's what we're trying to do here. Me and you. Yeah. <laughs> we got this. We got this. Later. And the rest of the Venus veterans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll do it. Uh, okay. So, um. Talk to me about how did you even find Venus in 2010 when it came out? So here's my story, and this is the best I've been able to piece together. Back then I was listening to podcasts, and I was listening to a podcast. All right, I'm going to make a crude, slightly crude joke here. I didn't even know what podcast I was listening to. I would be on the, the what do you call it? the elliptical at the gym, uh -huh. bouncing uh -huh. up and down, and I'm like, what's, what is that, the thick ass? What? What the heck am I listening to? <laughs> the Fit Cast. I listened to it again the other day just to see if I still think that. Yeah, it sounds like he's saying the wrong thing. But anyway, <laughs> I listen to the Fit Cast sometimes too. Yeah, they have some amazing um, connections there. So I found out a lot about a lot of people there. So I started following way back when Scott Colby and and also later on Turbulence Training and. It it was probably the best I can link it up is through turbulence training. I found Eat Stop Beat, and then I'm going to say I found Adonis through that. And then I remember waiting a good six or seven months for the launch of Venus. 
So meanwhile, I did the turbulence training contest and, and won that, which was most of my transformation. But I still wasn't happy. It was still like, I now believe there's actually better than this. I mean, I, I was only heavy for four or five years, which at the time was heartbreaking. But looking back, it actually feels like a blip. Right. But even before that, I always felt like, what's not quite right here? What's not quite right? And supermodel skinny wasn't it. And so I always felt like there was more. And with Venus coming down the pipeline, I'm like, that's it. That's what's going to get me there. This is it. And um, so over the last five years of maintenance, like, did have you done have you done everything of Venus? What what does your workouts look like? I did Venus for a few years, um, and I did everything that had come out to that point, including some of the um, the boosters. I remember doing the shoulder and glute boosters for the open level two, trying to get some glutes. Um, I have program hopped to, not program hopped, I've switched to another program. I'm pretty loyal to whatever it is I'm doing. So I was super into Venus for a really long time, and now I'm super into the program that I'm following. Which is? Get glutes. Interesting. Yeah. I have a a very um, glute fetish myself. (laughs) And I've, I've learned a lot from Brett Contreras in regards to glutes. And I think some of the newer additions in Venus um, with the glutes are going in the right direction. And I think with your knowledge base and mine and Coach Jenny, I know, is also in the glutes, we are um, heading on the right track there. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And I also have a, a an interest not necessarily an ability, but an interest in powerlifting, not in competing, just I like that style of lifting. So mm-hmm. I did I did also get Brett's two by four program and um, did you uh how did you like that and what did what did you see from it? Well, so that's where I bumped up a little bit against health issues. I seem to have what's mis what it's not correctly Call, I don't know how to say it. When when people talk about adrenal fatigue, that's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Your adrenals don't fatigue. But uh-huh. the, there is a real underlying diagnosis that people may be getting at when they say that, and that's HPA access dysregulation. So that, among some other things, is what I really bumped up in, into last year um, trying to do the powerlifting. So I believe that was a 12-week program, and I got about seven weeks into it, and I was just starting to crash and burn. I didn't really understand what it was, but I stopped doing it. And looking back, I've crashed and burned pretty badly, periodically, since Venus. And um, last fall, it was like the fourth time. um, I'm talking sick in bed for a month after after overtaxing my body. So what I'm having to learn is hitting PRs may not be for me now or maybe never. Right. And I'm focusing on stress reduction like crazy um, and a lot of personal growth work and just really, really doing a major overhaul. I'm just like a different person every few months right now. It's just, it's a lot of work. That's great. What are some of your um, takeaways, if you don't mind sharing, on the, the, the mental 
stuff. Um, we had a family crisis, which really threw us into a loop just, just a little bit over a year ago. Um, like we, we basically almost came unraveled and we started doing these weekend personal growth seminars locally here in town. Um, Al and I had done this kind of work before we got married, just very immersive. Back then, I think we did four or five days. The one that we have right here is, is Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Um, just really wonderful, wonderful work with about 12 students, maybe 60 assistants, um, two coaches. Uh, just some of the work is done, everybody together, some of the work is done in small groups, just working through your emotions and life success. And I have been back, I went as a student, um, both of my kids have been through, my husband's been through too. I've been back to assist, gosh, probably five times, and I will keep doing that. I get something out of it every single time. I'm just learning more and learning to, to accept deep, hard emotions and learning how to move through them more quickly instead of avoiding them and going numb or using some kind of a not coping strategy like I traditionally have. Um, so that's a big piece of it. Another part of it is writing and I'm sorry, reading. I want to do the writing. That was my <laughs> subconscious saying, do it, do it, journal. <laughs> I'm reading a lot of um, Brene Brown. So I read Daring Greatly and now I'm reading The Gifts of Imperfection for the second time. When I read Daring Greatly, it was too close to the crisis last year, and so I was just basically saying this is really good and turning the pages, but not ready for that kind of work. So I'll be reading that a second time, and then I'm going to get Rising Strong and read that at least twice. I got them all on Nook, so they're not going anywhere. They're just part of my work. There's probably Die. there's probably more, but that's that's like the the thrust of what's really life changing. And then just um, my relaxation is getting a little sun or coloring. I've just discovered coloring um, in the last six months or so. Yes, you color some very beautiful adult coloring pages. Doesn't that sound weird? That term. Yes, I just <laughs> it's funny, and I've noticed since you've picked it up. Like, everywhere I go when I see an adult coloring book, I think of you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally can see it being a stress relief. I color with my students uh, after finals. I always give them coloring pages so they'll be quiet when the other kids are working. <laughs> That's so I'll yes. Yeah, they get so into it, and I, I'll color with them. I enjoy it, too. Yeah, it's nice. So let's um, switch tracks to nutrition because I know you have some takeaways r recently. So how would you compare the way that you ate in the beginning to now? Uh, I thought if it was organic, it was healthy. I thought that's what that meant. So I could eat unlimited pasta. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I used to eat. Right. And I remember um, before all this, taking a couple of runs at, at getting more veggies in. I belong to a CSA briefly here and there. That's community-supported agriculture. It means you get a bag of um, produce from a local farmer once a uh -huh. week or once every two weeks, whatever the schedule is, and you get what you get, and you just eat it. 
and I would try, and there there were scary lists. There were scary things in there <laughs> that you'd never seen or tried. <laughs> <laughs> that I'd never ever dreamed of of having in my kitchen, and they were dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny! Oh my God! So so fast forward to now, where my doctor put me on this very regimented diet. I have IBS and SIBO, and so the diet was super 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 limited. And I've been successful with the CSA for about three or four years, but this was like all mine, mine, all mine, the veggies, you know, I didn't even want to share them at first. Now I'm back to being able to share them. But um, yeah, I just soak up a sink full of water and I put all those filthy, yummy veggies in there. And, uh, and I take about three hours once a week and I prepare all the veggies and it saves me a load of time and stress because it's, it's like fast food. If I want to make an omelet, I have put the weirdest things in my omelet, you know, (laughs) Spaghetti squash, radish, don't mind if I do. Slap, slap, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) It's weird. Yeah, obviously lots of kale. I still don't like collards very much. They do not not, uh, reheat well. Collards need to be eaten the first time around, and ain't nobody going to eat that many collards in one sitting. So I'm worth that one out. (laughs) The the only way I know how to make collards is very southern, and it is not diet friendly. (laughs) Oh, Fine, I will try to master that next year when they come around again. But I that was like one of the few things that I was just like, I just can't even. And I put it right in the compost bin. I'm so sorry to my farmer. I think I grew that. <laughs> yeah. So do you do you fast much now, or did you fast much? You know, back when you started Venus. Yeah, I fasted. All through the years, um, it's it's a great way to keep the weight in check. But interestingly, I think I have abandoned it in the last, say, let's say two months for now. So when I first got the diagnosis of IBS, I was still fasting because I, f- I found out that um, everything was upsetting me and taking that break from eating was just helpful. So I was delaying eating until 12 or 2 every day. And I know that's not how it's recommended, but I was doing the eating window. So that's not a neat stuff eat type fast. But it was just like what I needed to do. My digestion right. was so messed up that that it was okay for me to kind of eat two giant meals or or something like that. Or just, just have it. So I would have a late lunch and dinner around 8, and then I wouldn't eat again. So... That was like the latest rendition. But basically, I'm just saying I, everything evolves for me, and I do what I need to do at the time. Right now, fasting doesn't serve me. I've noticed because now my doctor is really like, you have to get on top of this stress. And the HPA access dysregulation is, is a lot of stress. Stress also causes the IBS. And so it, it really, now that I'm tuning in closer to my emotional state, it does serve me to eat. So yeah. I don't always eat breakfast. Today I had something from 8.30 to 12, an event, and I wished I had packed a bar. That was a mistake. I was I was feeling a little, we were out in the sun watching a fire demo, and I was like, how is everybody else standing? I'm woozy. <laughs> I water, I wanted my Quest bar. They, they ate before they went, I can assure you of that. Yeah, they had their breakfast, <laughs> and I missed Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would have kind of the same, like, 
I don't 24 hour fast much anymore. No. But uh, I will occasionally skip breakfast. But um, generally, uh, other than a 12 hour overnight fast, I'm not much of a faster myself anymore. Um, but I will say this. Occasionally something comes up and I'm still super grateful for the years of experience. Like, yeah. oh, wow, we're super busy. We're going, going, going. And food is not going to happen. And you know what? I'm not going to die. Exactly. No, yeah, and I think every once in a while, if anything, it, I like to feel the, like I used the, to. I used to eat when I wasn't hungry. I just didn't right, right, exactly. So to me, that's like the greatest tool fasting gives you is understanding your true hunger signal. Yeah, it is amazing, and I'm really tuning tuning into that now with the digestion issues. So it's, it's oh, I'm sure. Really, yeah, I have to take four or five. Our breaks between meals. So that's another reason I had to give up the fasting. I had to think long and hard about that one. Race into meals. There was no way, and I had to put my meals five hours apart, and I couldn't do it. It just was not happening with that small of an eating window. So I had to really tune into which foods might be bothering me and and spread it out to three meals. Interesting. So do you feel like um, the more frequent eating pattern is serving your IBS better? Three meals is good. Three meals. No more than that? Um, not generally. I will eat if I'm hungry. If yeah. I wake up starving, I, I could see having a fourth meal, but I usually delay breakfast. I usually don't eat before. I'm just not hungry. I, I never believed people when they said that. I was like, how can you not be hungry? But yeah, I usually don't eat before 10 or 11. So sometimes yeah. I still wind up going to the gym not fed. I'm trying to get calories into my morning coffee. Yeah. Huh. Because they don't seem to feel like food. So maybe I'll throw. I've, I've been putting coconut oil in there. Um, that's very healing for the gut, which I didn't know. Uh-huh. So that's really good for IBS. Um, and I put honey. So there's a little bit of calories in that. And um, sometimes I'll put a little bit of protein powder, just not so much that's so going to make me feel sick. Right, but yeah, fasted working out is not recommended for people with the HP access dysregulation. Didn't know that either. Interesting. So yeah, that's another good tidbit there. I've never heard. Yeah. So um, when you, as you've maintained here, do you count calories still, or do you just kind of mentally, or do you just abandon that altogether? Um. I did on and off check in with it year for periodically just to, you know, if I was having a little a little blip or a little struggle. Right now I count protein and I do, what was what's the program? Um, Precision Nutrition has some really great visual aids. Um, oh, the hand thing. The hand thing, yeah. Yeah. So I don't exactly do that, but just the fact that they have those aids is such a good reminder. So is it one palm or two palm or proteins? I just, a protein. I want to hit my protein. And I remember you put out a really good podcast about varying proteins. So I'm trying to have lots of different protein sources every day. So sometimes a meal will actually have two proteins, which is kind of a weird idea to me. But if I figure if I'm only having three meals, yeah. and that's only three protein sources, I could be having four or five. So I'm trying to vary that. So I might have like, two meals as one meal you know what I mean like I'll, right. I'll, I'll have a whole plate of food and then have a whole second plate of food if I have to hit my protein yeah but and then weirdly I, I was overdoing vegetables especially raw vegetables so that doesn't serve IBS I had no idea 
um, it's it's something that I have to watch, which is why I'm now sharing my veggies gladly. Um, I have to watch <laughs> much, um, especially green veggies I have at a time. And then carbs, I can have way more than I thought. And somehow this seems to work. I'm not gaining weight. Actually, I don't really care what the scale says. Um, I think I'm up, and I think my metrics are the same. So whatever. Now, have you seen that when you are randomly checking, has your weight increased whereas your metric stays the same over time here? Yeah, I think there's a filled-in look. So yeah, my shoulders never budge, uh, you know, unless I go absolutely insane, which then I'm going to get a shoulder injury. So I have had to let that one go. I just, I'm going to say I have narrow shoulders, and that's why I can't get them up. Um because my back is pretty strong. Um, my waist is always below Venus and hips vary wildly. So if I'm strong and fit and, and able to lift regularly, I go up an inch or two on hips. And when I'm all weak and sick or just haven't really had time for the gym, then I go down an inch or two. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that one's very, very hard for me to maintain without consistent work. I don't ever want to be the old lady with the flat butt again. So, <laughs> <laughs> Your butt poofs as you lift. Yeah, yeah. It's like, kind of, it's like a little a little pump that I've got going there, going to the gym, you know, squats or hip thrusts. They're, they're pump, 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 pump. It flushed your butt. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> what a great visual. Nice. <laughs> All right, so let's talk obstacle. What do you feel like has been the biggest obstacle for you in maintaining? Me. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, I can I can agree to that. That's probably my biggest obstacle as well. I think the 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 one huge hurdle was just getting out of my own way about like really appreciating what I have and understanding that I am not going to be um, living at, at like um, stage readiness or contest photo readiness. I get that. Even though John said it 100,000 times, I get it now Like, and to the point where I don't want it anymore. Like I can appreciate what I have. So right. that's, that's been so freeing, like not counting calories ever. I, I doubt I'll ever do it again. I don't see why I would. Like counting mm-hmm. protein, I just... Probably daily or almost daily. I do my mental tally of protein. I just da 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 da. Yep, oh, yep, good. You know, and it's not as high as some people go, but if I've broken a hundred grams, that's great. Mm, um, yeah. And yeah, that's that's a nice day for me. I, I just keep that number a hundred because I think the calculator has me at like ninety three. So a hundred's a, a good thing for me to try to keep in my mind. It's a nice round number. Right. And, you know, having the goal a little higher, if I fall short the odd day, then no big deal. Um, and my health. The health issues has been really trying. I can imagine. But I feel like you have really gone above and beyond in solving it and getting to the bottom of it and taking action. That's true. And and I guess being willing to do what it takes, but... The big, the big happy surprise with doing what it takes is it's actually not that bad. I have been so limited by I didn't know that I had IBS. I would I never looked up what it was, and it's been it's affected 
everything about my life for my entire life. And so getting it in control is very freeing. Like if I have to bring jars of my own food to a fancy restaurant, you know, occasionally I'll eat, I'll eat out, but mostly I just bring my own food because I know that they didn't use anything that is going to be off my list. I don't care. I, I just don't care. I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I'm just going to put it out and I'm all set. I'm going to have that and I'm going to feel good. I'm not going to feel sick after every meal. What a treat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, number one is your health and you don't realize how good it feels to feel good until you feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always felt bad, so I, I never experienced feeling good until the last six months. That's interesting. I mean, that's hard to believe. I mean, you have seen the picture of health, but, you know, just because you look healthy doesn't mean you are. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So what advice would you give to other women who are fixing to move into maintenance or are in the throes of maintenance? The the big thing that I that I remember doing when I was doing my transformation was noticing that I was using a lot of different tools and just trying to make note of what all the tools were and like okay I'm going to keep this tool for later so fasting wonderful tool um, counting your protein so you don't always have to count calories and you know and keeping the fat and carbs in check is a wonderful tool um, yeah. just do or figure out things that work for you and keep, you know, be mindful of them, but also drop things that aren't working and be willing to add them back in at a time that they might be working. So I only do something as long as it's working. And I will not say this is how I will eat forever because it isn't. I'll be adding more foods in. My diet will become re less restrictive as I test foods and they come back in. Um, I might go back to, you know, if I get the whole stress situation figured out, I might go back to fasting. It might serve me very well. I have no idea. I, I just I like having a lot of tools in the arsenal and being able to go, hey, something needs to change. What do I look at? What can I change? What do I have? Or finding something new. There's so many ways out there to keep things in check and keep yourself balanced. Absolutely. Uh, I think that is key. Flexibility. Because what works won't always, and what doesn't work won't always not work. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So. And and knowing that it's not forever, I think, is another big piece of it. Like, I think Al still struggles with this. He still thinks he should be how he was in his um, in his contest pictures. And so I'm just trying still, after all these years, to tell him that that's not realistic, that you have to walk around a little bit higher than that. That's maybe for an event if you want, but that's not how to live. And... I don't think you have to strive to be that lean. I agree. You know, and there are some outliers who do walk around like that, but don't compare yourself. I mean, you are you. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. another big one, you know, the comparison. The and, of all and outliers is the key word. I'm an outlier in that I carry lone lean body mass. If I carried more, then I might well walk around like that, but... You know, I'm also a tall outlier, so there's another way. You know, we're all outliers in something, I think. For sure. I mean, and we're all individuals, and we all have these individual lives with all these crazy pieces, and, you know, 
like you said, you just collect all these little pieces as you're traveling and you just kind of plug them in as you go. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to talk to veterans like you because we all can learn from each other. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We we actually do talk. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yes, we yeah. actually do. Yeah. Well, is there anything we didn't hit on that you want to discuss? Um, no, I don't think so. Just just again that that I I feel more balanced and consistent. I don't know. You know what I mean? Just so much more. Um, this is it for life. Like completely confident. I remember yeah. when I when I first um, started taking successful steps on this journey, just thinking, suppose I lose all the weight and everybody sees that and it just pops back on. Like I didn't have the belief. I had the belief that, that I had the knowledge to lose the weight. I didn't have the belief that it was maintainable. You know, I have one last tip. And I haven't even read this book, but I have to recommend it anyway because it seems, from what I'm, I'm finding out about it, Lean Habits seems like great instructions for how to live for life. I think I'm actually doing them. Um, it's just such a, a calm mindset. But yeah, just doing this and letting it not rule you, because it ruled me for a while. Just letting, yeah. it, just letting it back burner, just putting it there when you can and recognizing that that's not what life's about. Life's about living. Amen, sister. Amen, sister. High five. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to close out. So thank you for talking with me today, Naomi. Thank you so much for asking. It's been a privilege. It was a pleasure. And that is your Venus Factor podcast.